the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights, yeah, a different city every night, oh, I, I swear, the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. We are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomkline.com. While you're there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. It's a live show. You can call into the studio 312-642-5600. And remember to check out our amazing sponsors, Tandem HR. They are our solution center. Check out their website, tandemhr.com, or give them a call, 630-928-0510, 630-928-0510. So indeed, a jam-packed lineup it is. But first, I just wanted to mention um, how uh, how saddened I am uh, by the uh, the news of uh, certainly this weekend, but also over the entire past week. It's been a week of tragedy, of of, of sadness, um, beginning with the threats and the bombs that uh, that have been sent out to so many uh, leaders. Um, there was a uh, attempted uh, shooting at an African-American church, uh, and then, of course, this weekend's most deadly attack on Jewish community in United States history. Just devastating. And I know uh, all of our thoughts and prayers are, are with uh, our friends in Pittsburgh, but uh, we can all do something about it. Uh, there's going to be a vigil um, in Skokie uh, tomorrow evening, and I'll be posting information on my website. But please check in with me uh, on my website. would love to hear what you're doing by... Uh, trying to pay it forward, trying to do, as we say, a mitzvah, a good deed, trying to do something positive in community. If we all did that, we'd make the world uh, a less hateful place. But um, back to business, um, I am thrilled to be joined by my first guest, um, Rick Miller, who is an unconventional turnaround specialist, sought-after speaker, uh, and leader and expert in driving sustainable growth for over 30 years. He served as a successful senior executive in roles including president, CEO, and Fortune 10, 30, Nonprofit startup companies, including AT&T Global Services and Lucent Technologies. Um, Rick Miller, welcome to the program. Great to be with you, Shalom. Absolutely. So you are the author of a fantastic book, a book that I spent quite a bit of time uh, enjoying, Bee Chief. It's a choice, not a title. And that's something that I I, I believe in. The point that you laid out is, uh, is so, so uh, well written. And uh, Rick, to start, I'm curious, what inspired you and what when was the realization that being chief is, as you say, not just a title? Well, you know, there were a couple of major points along the way, but it probably goes all the way back to the, to the good fortune I had to, uh, to, to be the son of a, of a dad who was a, an individual in human resources. Back in the day, they called it personnel. 
and dad's uh, amazing career, uh, to me, his oldest son, kind of came down to one key fact. He worked in a, uh, a non-union machine tool shop, and in the 27 years there, Shalom, there was never even a union vote, only because, in my opinion, they taught, uh, my dad taught me and taught everybody at the, at the machine tool shop that, you know, you really need to connect with people. It's not about titles. It's about communication and respect. And uh, that was a lesson that I learned early on in my life and, and relearned it time and time again. So, Rick, essentially the point that you make in the book is that conventional wisdom that uh, basically defines chiefs as rulers of people, those are the top that hold the most power, um, you say that essentially that, that's wrong. Um, so uh, is that so? And what would you suggest for our listeners, um, whether a small company or a big company, how can they restructure their organizations? Well, to, to, absolutely. Let's go right to it. The issue of, of chiefs, I've always been fascinated by the term chief, and it's really because of the power associated with the word chief. And conventional wisdom does talk about power in terms of authority and control that comes from a position or a title. I think more and more these days, people understand that true power is in the hands of every individual worker. And if we define power as energy and clarity and confidence, that that, that definition, Shalom, is, is available to all of us. So companies can do a lot of different things to create environments where people bring out their best. I always talk about creating a place where people can bring their A game every day. Uh, some of it can be done top down, but interestingly in the book, we talk about vi- uh, the opportunity employees have to influence each other, not looking up the org chart, but looking side to side to help each other be more powerful. Sure. And in your book, you talk about a uh, six-year-old girl, uh, Melissa. Um, tell us uh, briefly the, the story of Melissa and how you've used her story to inspire uh, the many companies that we talked about a moment ago that you've been uh, fortunate to, uh, uh, to, to, to lead. Well, most importantly, actually, you know, years ago, she inspired me. I was, uh, I was volunteering at a rehabilitation hospital working in a 100-degree pool for trying to stretch the muscles of, of kids that had some physical disabilities. Melissa, when I first met her, she was sitting in a wheelchair off to the side waiting for her turn to come into uh, the pool. Again, a six-year-old girl with cerebral palsy. When I first met her, she had clenched fists that were up by her shoulders, and she had a dream, Shalom. Her dream was to, ha- to work with me and, a- and the physical therapist I was helping to slowly extend her arms out because they were just rigid and-, and extend her arms out. She wanted to grab a small Nerf basketball and drop it in a net that was floating in the water, as you've seen in many pools, and score two points. It took us six months for her to recognize her dream. And all during that time, she displayed the kind of attributes that I think true chiefs, true chiefs, really, really exemplify. So, for example, when we first met her, she was very still sitting by the the side of the pool. She was waiting for her turn. Yet when she got in the pool, she was incredibly present. She was listening to the instructions of the the physical therapist. She was as hardworking as anybody I've ever met, yet she was very generous with her spirit and and always said thank you at the end. So she was very grateful. So I look at the things that, that true chiefs, true chiefs are, and they are they, they can be still, they're present, they're grateful, they're generous, and they're hardworking. And I was so inspired by that uh, wonderful girl, Melissa, that I can share with you that all proceeds, all author proceeds from this book are going to help special needs kids. That's amazing. Um, incredible, uh, incredible story and incredible, uh, uh, incredible uh, 
outcome. And, and clearly that's uh, yet another reason uh, folks will need to uh, need to purchase the book. But we'll get there in just a moment. Um, so you suggest, um, Rick, that leaders should bring more of their personal lives into their professional settings. That's something that I've uh, I've said for a long time and I believe. But why is that important and and why is that uh, i guess beneficial uh in in a, a corporate setting well it's it's critical because the the key to a a powerful individual is confidence and i believe shalom that the key to 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 a to a truly confident individual is somebody who understands their values and when we bring our personal values into work it's we don't have one set of values at home and a different set of values when we walk in the office it's part of who we are so when we show up at work really talking about our values and writing about our values and displaying our values. I think, I think we bring all of ourselves into work, not trying to artificially keep something away. And I think the people around us resonate with that and the energy and the confidence that that, that has, it spreads throughout an organization. The person feels better. And by the way, the organization performs much better. Now that's uh, always uh, be inspired. Uh, you mentioned that um, with the story through Melissa, but uh, it can be in in any scenario. Uh, it'd be inspired. Combine the personal and the professional. It will do well for an organization. So we are uh, approaching the end of our time together. But um, you also mention uh, a study that shows that fifty percent of team members self identify as introverts, who you yeah. call the quiet chiefs. How yeah. can we better engage with them? Well, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot there, but I know time is short, so let me give you one specific example for your listeners, if that would be helpful. Please. Many times a leader will say, I want to bring a, a group of people together and do a brainstorming session. So rather than wait and, and have an open forum where an introvert might not feel comfortable raising their hand, if an individual sent out a note the night before the meeting and said, tomorrow, we're going to talk about this, but if you have ideas that you'd like to share in writing ahead of time, I would welcome them. So there's a real practical example of how you have to find ways for introverts to provide their incredible input in ways that are comfortable for them, because they're unlikely to raise their hand or stand up in an open forum, yet they've got great ideas, and it's every manager's opportunity to find ways that they can bring their great input in ways that fit them. Oh, fantastic. Well, Rick Miller, the author of Be Chief, it's a choice, not a title, uh, as you mentioned, the uh the uh, the profits of of, of the uh, book sales going to benefit uh, special needs uh, individuals. Uh, fantastic, fantastic uh, lessons in the book and fantastic cause. Um, Rick, where can people learn more about the book and learn more about you? Real simple, Shalom, and thank you for asking. Bechief.com, B-E-C-H-I-E-F.com. You can download a free copy of the book. You can take a quick uh, survey to figure out how powerful you are. You can read about the nonprofit that's getting all the money, and you can uh, become aware of the new definition of power. Uh, Bechief, thank you so much, Rick, for joining us on the program. Coming up, I'm going to be chatting with Dr. Mitchell Weisberg, the medical director of Vicary. You won't want to miss that conversation. Chicago, don't touch that dial. You're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship, and we will be right back. Back on Get Down to Business, I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Get on my website, shalomklein.com, where you can download podcasts, get a sneak peek of who will be on future weeks, a show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. And uh, this is the, uh, I guess, the Halloween edition. Um, So uh, Dr. Mitchell Weisberg, 
medical director of ViCare. Thanks for joining me here in studio in costume. Uh, thank you, Shalom. It's always a pleasure to come here. Absolutely. Well, it's it's radio, so I guess most people can't see what you're wearing, but uh, those of those of you that are tuning in through Facebook Live will see. Uh, Dr. Mitchell Weisberg is dressed up like Dr. Mitchell Weisberg. Um, so a uh, shameless plug, check out our Facebook page, Get Down to Business with Shalom Klein. Um, Mitch, thanks for joining me. So uh, ViCare, um, tell me what ViCare is and what ViCare is not. I think I'll start with Vi- what ViCare is not. Uh, for your audience, it's, it is not uh, your typical wellness program. We, are, we don't call ourselves a wellness program. Because wellness programs uh, tend to not uh, care too much about well-being and vitality. And that's what we focus on, like a laser beam. And uh, it's primarily in patients or individuals who have multiple chronic conditions. While, they, uh, while we know that the healthcare system does very well by them in terms of controlling these conditions, they, the healthcare system does not necessarily focus on their well-being or their vitality. And that's our job. That's what we do. Absolutely. So uh, we know what ViCare is not, but when we talk about what ViCare is, I know you're fond of a motto that you've shared many times in the past, which is leave the well enough alone. What does that actually mean? Well, that's exactly right, Shalom. Thank you. Uh, so by saying, See, I leave, listen. When you, you say something, I listen. Thank you. Uh, so by leaving the well enough alone, what I'm implying here is that that's again what wellness programs mostly do is the most wellness minded individuals in an organization are the ones that tend to uh, join those and leaving the people who don't feel so well uh, behind. And we're we the first thing we do is try to find out how well uh, people are feeling. And we we really if people are feeling great, that's terrific. We don't really offer them much. Those that are not feeling well, that's we offer them an outstanding program, one that is uh, uh, very individualized for them as well as highly personal with a licensed clinical social worker who's trained in something called motivational interviewing, which I'll show you a little example of shortly. And um, basically, uh, we yes, we do use technology, but our technology is not our program. The, uh, the ViCure guide and the individual is uh, are, are are really uh, very much involved with each other, and uh, that's what our program runs on. Is so many of our listeners um, have at some point or another uh, either mandated by their uh, by their uh, workplace or insurance company they have uh, participated in one of those classic wellness programs, and that means that they had to take a blood test. They may have uh, had to uh, complete a very very lengthy interview. Um, why does that approach not work, and why is it not part of the ViCare method? Well, uh, it doesn't work because all those uh, all those questionnaires that pe- people are filling out and all those blood tests that people take and maybe some vital signs that they're taking have absolutely nothing to do. I'm saying this from 30 years of being a practicing physician. I could tell you that those numbers and those questionnaires have nothing to do with people's sense of vitality or well-being. And, uh, and, and that to us is what's really most important, uh, and especially, uh, uh, and it's what's most important to the employer uh, as well, is the well-being of uh, their employees. And these numbers and all these other things have turned out not to really give such relevant uh, information and, or, 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 or 
be uh, converted into uh, enhanced well-being or vitality of a workforce. Uh, fascinating. So Vicare ultimately is a free program which is offered anonymously by employers um, dedicated to optimizing the well-being and vitality of individuals with multiple chronic medical conditions. So, uh, Dr. Weisberg, you mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago that there is a, something called a VI score and something, a, a process uh, through, I believe you called it motivational interviewing. Right. Um, so what does that process look like? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you. It's, so basically, the, you know, instead of all these screeners and blood tests and weights and measurements, we're, we're basically going to, we, we start with every individual asking them to rate their well-being, their vitality on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, 1 being the worst. Uh, and we're really looking for, uh, we're really looking for those individuals who are saying six or less. And then we're asking them the next question. This is all driven by what an individual says, not by what we dictate. We're asking them now, to t- if they're a six or lower, we ask them simply why. In their own words, describe to us in a way that, uh, you know, you, in your own words, exactly why you think you feel this way. Then we ask them, what do you think you could do to change it? But when you talk about uh, measuring and determining a score, um, is it based on actual physical symptoms? What are the things that you want people to look at? That's a great question. So I, I like to tell people it's all in. I'm talking your well-being, your vitality is in terms of your mental health, physical health, spiritual health, however, whatever it is, it all comes together into this one number. Describe it. What, it, what are you? So if you're not feeling like a 10, then that's okay, and that, that's enough of a justification to put down that number. That's correct. It's, it, this, is not, this is completely designed to be subjective, uh, again, because that's to us what's most important is what that individual is feeling. So it's a fascinating process, and all of this uh, exercise is really completed, um, as you mentioned, uh, through that motivational interviewing process by somebody uh, that's trained in the process, and what are they called, and why is their role so critical and so important? So they're, by training, they are licensed clinical social workers. We, we train them, myself and my uh, clinical partner, Corey Campbell, who himself is getting his PhD in social work as we speak, train the, uh, the licensed clinical social workers that become Vicar guides in motivational interviewing. Corey is a, an absolute expert in this. Uh, this demonstration of the VI score and, and getting people to identify what they are feeling and what they could do about it is really the entree into this whole process called motivational interviewing. Then the licensed clinical social worker meets with them on a regular, we'd be, we're what we'd call, what you'd call high touch. It's weekly uh, meetings with these uh, Vicar guides and uh, working on uh, these things and also helping them, helping people really understand why their well-being is what it is further uh, by, you know, through uh, discussing it and uh, are analyzing what, what, they're, what they're saying. So it's very, uh, uh, our, uh, it's, it's, our, our pilots are going great. This is actually working. We're, in, we're enhancing the vitality of employees in the Peoria uh, area right now, and uh, I'm very proud of this. So, uh, again, we're chatting with Dr. Mitchell Weisberg, Medical Director of Vicare. We talked all about what Vicare is not. We talked about what Vicare is. We talked about the exercise. We talked about the, Vi, uh, the, the Vicare guides and the Vice score. 
lots of vies in there, um, lots of uh, lots of very helpful information. But Mitch, in our very short time remaining, I want to flip it over back to the employer side of things. You just mentioned some of these pilots that are taking place, and the reason we keep having this conversation, the reason you and I are both so passionate about this, is because we believe this is the way of the future. That this is. Uh, how wellness should be, essentially, that yes. vitality, um, but it also, frankly, saves money. That's correct. Uh, while employers, of course, are, you know, um, we have to believe are altruistic, they also are uh, in business. And this, the, uh, uh, paying attention to the well-being of employees is good business because well-being uh, 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 actually corresponds very much to uh, work performance and productivity and so the better uh, the better an, uh, an employee feels, the better they perform. So this is uh, really the ultimate win-win. And again, we leave the well enough alone. We're really interested in taking making people well uh, and therefore starting with people who don't feel so great. So rarely do you have a true win-win, but that's uh, this is one of those. Um, so no doubt the phone lines will be lighting up. People will want to visit the website. Um, where can people learn more, employers or employees, learn more about the ViCare process? There's one more Vi. It's ViCare.com. ViCare.com. You can check it out, learn more. Uh, uh, meet uh, virtually Dr. Mitchell Weisberg, once again, Medical Director of ViCare. Uh, Mitch, thank you so much for joining me on the air. We'll be sure to continue the conversation in future weeks. Thank you, Shalom. Absolutely. And Get Down to Business is powered by our good friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. You can find them online, tandemhr.com, or give them a call, 630 Visit the website, tandemhr.com. Check out my website, shalomkline.com. I'll be posting links to ViCare, be posting links to uh, the vigil that I mentioned earlier in the program. Uh, We all need to come together to combat hate. We can all do it. This is a conversation that I'd like to continue off the air. So connect with me through my website, through social media. Get Down to Business. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Um, You listen to Get Down to Business and you can get on my website, shalomkline.com. Download podcasts, check out sneak peeks of who will be on in future weeks. It feels like it's been a long time since we talked about some networking tips, and I cannot believe it, but this week it is uh, November 1st, and that means that uh, holiday parties are actually going to get started. It seems crazy to think that, um, but actually I was just looking at my December calendar, and I already have... Uh, Christmas and and Hanukkah parties that are on the calendar right now. And that means you're going to be going to events that you will increasingly be uncomfortable, awkward at. It's almost a guaranteed thing. So I wanted to share some networking tips with you. In fact, 10 networking tips for you uh, to help you make a great first impression at an event. Uh, The first one would be uh, that uh, obviously the goal is you want to get out there and you want to, you want to um, meet people that you otherwise would not know. So get out there and build genuine personal connections. Networking events are a bit like being set up on a blind date, and similar rules apply. Don't take over the conversation and talk about yourself and your business. People want to feel that you're genuinely interested in them. Ask questions. Get to know the other person. Smile. Not only does smiling make it easier for people to connect with you because you are more open and welcoming, it also helps People remember you and your company. Show real interest. Listen when you join a conversation and then show that you are listening. Take a few minutes to listen to the conversation when joining a 
group of people. As effect, it's an effective way to make a good first impression. It's to join a conversation with a comment that shows that you were listening um, to the current group of people. And be yourself and don't try to sell. I found that the best approach in a networking event is to be myself and talk about my business in a casual, non-salesy way. You want to research attendees. Many events will post who's going to be there. And you could research and come prepared with questions. And bring a friend. If you're able to attend an event with someone you know from another company, it's great to meet people together. That way you can talk each other up. Um, and be curious. People love to talk about themselves. That key to making good first impression is to be curious about the other people. Asking a thoughtful question is a great way to put others at ease and demonstrate your listening skills. And number eight, introduce yourself with an antidote that resonates. Um, when you have a one-liner or a story about what we love, about what we do, people will remember that. And remember, you can learn how you can help each new connection. Networking is a powerful way to build business connections, but it's important that your objective is in meeting new people isn't self-serving. Be authentic, try to help people, and finally, finally, go in without a strict agenda and try to make a new friend. As much as you want to have a plan, you want to research, don't be too scripted. Make sure you think out of the box and really focus on how you're going to build new connections, new relationships that will help you uh, in the future. And this applies both for holiday networking events, it applies for uh, other chambers of commerce and other groups that you might be involved in. Everybody can get out there and network. Everybody can build new connections. So as we approach the holiday season, if you're meeting people within your company or outside of your company, follow these 10 tips. I'll be posting them on my website as well. And uh, and and let me know what you think. Uh, I always love the engagement. would love to hear what works for you. What tips do you have uh, in your next network for uh, for some of our listeners at their next networking event or holiday party. Um, would love to hear what you think. You can get on my website, ShalomKlein.com. Follow me on Twitter, at ShalomKlein. And I'm on Facebook Live right now. Um, so chime in with your comments, questions, and feedback. Still have a great lineup ahead. We've got some great guests um, on the program. And very, very, very excited. But um, my book, um, Get Down to Business, will be published and will be available. It is already available for pre-order on Amazon. Uh, again, the title, easy to remember. It's Get Down to Business. Uh, check it out on Amazon.com, and uh, we'll be talking some more about that in future weeks. Uh, so Get Down to Business is the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We're powered by our good friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. Check them out online, TandemHR.com. Give them a call, 630 630- Nine two eight zero five one zero six three zero nine two eight zero five one zero. We're going to be back in just a few moments. Chicago, don't touch that dial. You're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Listen, get down to business. Welcome back to Get Down to Business. As promised, I'm thrilled to be joined by uh, Doug Branson, the uh, W. Edwards Cell Chair at the University of Pittsburgh. He's been a visiting professor at Cornell University, Universities of Washington and Hong Kong and Melbourne University, among others. Um, Doug, thank you so much for joining me on the program. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So your new book is The Future of Tech is Female, How to Achieve Gender Diversity. Um, Tell me uh, what inspired you uh, to write this book. Well, a couple things. I'm a father of two daughters and... Pardon me, I think most fathers of daughters these days want their daughters to be able to do anything their sons could do. And the second thing is that uh, I had a colleague who wrote about how 
women are judged differently because they respond in a in a different register. They they don't use imperatives as much. They use more suggestive language, <clears throat> and uh, that's often interpreted as they're more emotional or they're more analytical. And that doesn't mean anything. There's no connection between the two. She wrote in the area of criminal law about Miranda warnings and other interrogation techniques used with uh, criminal defendants. And I thought the same thing applies in in corporate law and corporate governance with senior executives and, and directors. So that started me about 20 years ago, and actually this is the third book. I, I have two other books wow. in the field uh, that were written in 2007 and 2010, and I've spoken all over the world about this subject. You sure have. So um, there are certain industries in particular um, I'm going to point uh, point my finger at technology. Tech is exhibit A in the corporate failure to hire and promote women. There are many, many, many obstacles to uh, to women uh, advancing from entry level to C-suite. So what uh, what do you have to say to, to the folks uh, in leadership in, in the tech world? Um, how can they start to evaluate and adopt specific procedures and programs designed to hire and support women? Well, first of all, we have to shift the focus. The focus has always been on what women can do, you know, uh, be more aggressive, uh, network, um, get mentors. Um, some of them are, uh, some of the advice books are actually very um, juvenile, you know, lower your voice, uh, watch Monday Night Football. And the corporate side, the employer side, nothing is ever mentioned. Um, and so they get away with expressing some noble sentiments, and that's it. So my book is really about how to achieve gender diversity in a wide variety of settings. And information technology is really used as an example because it has the worst uh, record of any industry in hiring and promoting women. But uh, So I have a number of techniques that corporations should consider um, from gathered from a wide variety of sources, Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, uh, England, Norway, France. Um, and so it's time that we, we pushed companies and industries to do something about um, relaxing the barriers that prevent women from progressing upward in their organizations. Yeah, so your message essentially is that it's the firms themselves that hire, and that's where the responsibility lies to increase the hiring and promotion of women. So I'm curious, why do so many leaders in industry have 10 ears on the subject of diversity? I think that uh, they're obtuse. They have a 10 ear, um, and the 10 ear is allowing them to continue to do what they did 40 or 50 years ago, and that is hire and especially promote people who look like themselves. So 50 years ago, 40 years ago, it was persons who wore the same uh, type clothing. You know, they called them 42 longs. They bought their suits at Brooks Brothers. They wore rep ties. Um, they used sports metaphors to describe these people. You know, they're quarterback types. They are people able to throw the knockout punch. They can shoot the three. And here we come 40 or 50 years later, and it's the same kind of attitude, but maybe applied a little more internally rather than externally. 
So in information technology, for example, the people who get promoted are the people who look just like the superiors internally. So they're, to use a a bad word, maybe nerds and geeks (laughs) and people uh, that remind the people in ascendancy of what they might have been like when they were younger. And that it's just the system seems to be perpetuating itself. So it's time for industry to stop just spouting noble sentiments and, and get in place some programs and talk about some things that actually will result in more progress sure. on these issues. I'm chatting with Doug Branson, the author of the new book, The Future of Tech is Female, How to Achieve Gender Diversity. And uh, Doug, you have traveled around the world quite literally um, speaking, consulting all over the place. But um, you've also seen, I understand, that other countries outside of the United States um, have better programs effectively repairing gender imbalance. Where should the United States and, and our companies be looking? And uh, give us some of those examples. Well, uh, Norway was the first to adopt a quota law in 2003, and they said that by 2007, 40% of the directors of publicly held companies had to be of the opposite sex. They don't even specify male or female. They're bread-in-the-bone, gender-neutral. And about seven or eight jurisdictions in the European community have followed that. France, um, Germany, it's a 30% quota. Um, the Netherlands, Italy. By contrast, the United Kingdom has, stead- has absolutely refused to, to think even about a quota law, and instead they have uh, a pledge program. Um, and then and they also have a comply. Uh, or disclose disclosure regulation through the stock exchanges. Many companies do. Many countries do not have an SEC like we do. The regulatory function is in the stock exchange and the securities exchanges. So comply or explain pledge programs. If we look at Australia, about 2011, they instituted a. a an added component to mentoring programs. I mean, the complaint is that mentoring is recommended over and over and over again, and it leads nowhere. Uh, People say, women say, I've been mentored to death for five years, six years, seven years, and I haven't progressed at all. So in Australia, they, they combined a mentoring program with a sponsorship program. And uh, 67 of the 100 largest corporations in Australia's board chairs agreed to mentor and then sponsor a woman to become a director of a publicly held entity in Australia. So uh, the mentoring plus sponsorship is is an idea. Another idea that is floated frequently is the structured search that there are no quotas, but there are requirements that in the penultimate stage of hiring, like what my students would call the callback stage, you include a, a minority person. It has an actual on-site visitation, not a conference phone call, not, not something strictly on paper, but that uh, um, a minority person or a person of, an opposite, of the opposite gender be included in the final list and that's proven very successfully well it's it's proven successful i i, I will subtract the very but 
in the National mm-hmm. Football League, and they're expanding it to other positions. So those are some of the ideas that are in the book. Uh, that's very helpful. And in our minute remaining, I'm curious, uh, a lot of the conversation uh, throughout uh, this country is uh, the solution is STEM. We heard we hear that acronym all the time, science, technology, engineering, and math. We've got to teach uh, STEM incentives. We've got to put in these programs, and that will fix the gender gap. What do you have to say to all those that are pushing that message? Now, what do I think? What the uh, Say the last line again, please. Regarding the STEM incentives that are being pushed around the oh, country. Oh, the STEM incentives. I think that's an oversold um, idea, and, and I think corporate America is complicit in it because the, the costs of doing that are not borne by corporate America. They're borne by colleges and universities and um, down into high schools. And in my studies, I've studied 27 women who've become senior executives, a paltry number in information technology. 25 of them have law degrees or MBAs. Only two have STEM backgrounds. And if we broaden that to a couple of studies I've done of female CEOs, it's similar. Over 70% of them have MBAs or law degrees. And uh, only, I think, five or six of the total have STEM-type degrees. So STEM is might lead you to a first job and a first promotion, but beyond that, you, it, you would be too lopsided with a STEM-only background, and you need leavening, you need business background, you need managerial accounting, sure. you need English language and uh, further communication skills. Well, so Doug Branson, I'm going to have to leave it there. We are out of time, but uh, The Future of Tech is Female, that's the name of the book, and uh, appreciate all of the background on this very, very critical topic. Um, Doug Branson, where can people learn more about the book? Okay, great. Uh, Amazon. It's on Amazon and the NYU Press um, in New York. They have a website as well. Perfect. Check out the book, uh, The Future of Tech is Female. Doug Branson, thank you so much for joining me on the air. Get down to business. We'll be right back. It's been an action-packed show. Great conversations with all sorts of great guests. We talked about health and wellness. We talked about being chief and how to transform your companies. And finally, we just talked about uh, the gender gap and some of the uh, some of the lessons that we can learn from other countries in ways to improve companies here within our country uh, as well. So uh, lots of great advice. Hope you found it helpful. As always, as I mentioned, love to engage with our listeners. Check out my website, ShalomKlein.com. On that website, you'll also be able to learn more about the book that I told you about. It's being released in just a few short weeks. Get Down to Business is already available for presale on Amazon.com. Um, but again, more information posted on my website. And uh, in, indeed, uh, this uh, has been a tough week. Uh, and there are lots of memorials and lots of ways that you can show uh, solidarity. In fact, that's what I'll be doing this evening uh, there are several vigils, but there's one in particular in Skokie tomorrow evening, Monday evening uh, at 530 at Skokie Valley of Jacob uh, Synagogue. So uh, I'll be posting some information to that. Would love to see some of our loyal Get Down to Business listeners um, right there. Um, so please step up. And finally, in just over one week, it is Election Day. You can vote. You can vote early. Um, don't vote often, but you can vote early. Please step up. Um, do your civic responsibility vote, regardless of who you vote for, step up. And uh, the uh, the largest party is the non-voting party. And we uh, it's an embarrassment. It really is an embarrassment to see how many people uh, 
you know, uh, talk a big game and talk and complain, uh, but don't step up. If uh, you're uh, if you have things that you care about, research candidates and get out there, find your polling place. Uh, there's early voting that's available. So get down to businesses powered by our friends at Tandem HR. Uh, check out their website, tandemhr.com. Give them a call, 630-928-0510. We'll be back continuing the conversation next Sunday right here on AM560, The Answer. So to success, let's get down to business. Check out my website, shalomkline.com. We'll see you back here next Sunday, 6 p.m. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.